Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I've always been fascinated by Mary's haste in the story of the visitation. So we have this for our gospel today for the fourth Sunday of Advent. We hear that upon taking in the message of Gabriel concerning her own pregnancy and that of her cousin, Mary, I'm quoting now, proceeded in haste into the hill country of Judah to see Elizabeth. Why did she go with such speed and purpose? I'll tell you why. Because she had found her mission. She had found her role in the theodrama. Today, we're dominated in the Western culture by what I've called the ego drama and all of its ramifications and implications. The ego drama is the play that I'm writing, I'm producing, I'm directing, and above all, I'm starring in. As I say, we see this everywhere in our culture. Freedom reigns supreme. I become the person that I choose to be. Any appeal to objective truth or moral goodness tends to be written off as an imposition of an alien will, as a play of power. Look, for example, to the uh, philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche. I've, I've said the most influential philosopher of the 19th century is Nietzsche, more than Marx, I think. Because Nietzsche had the philosophy of the will to power. Everything's reduced, finally, to power and the play of power. And so from an ego-dramatic standpoint, if, if my play is what matters, then anytime you're appealing to an objective truth or goodness, all that can be is a play of power on your part. That's why our watchword today is tolerance, which means you let me do what I want to do, and I'll let you do what you want to do, as long as we don't really hurt each other. But see, what this ego drama, the drama of toleration has produced, is what I've called the meh culture. Meh. You know, who cares? I do my thing, you do your thing. I choose my life, you choose your life. And we just don't interfere with each other, and we'll get along. But is there a purpose beyond the one that I'm making up or the one that you're making up for yourself? No, not really. Nothing grabs the will from the outside and gives it direction. Let me stay with that for a second because I, I do think it might be a function of, um, of age. There is something deeply alluring about freedom, appropriately so. And people feel it as they're coming of age. I can give direction to my life, and that's good. We should awaken our sense of freedom. But you really begin to live, trust me now, maybe younger people have to take out my word, 
when something grabs your will from the outside, something so compels you and so fascinates you that you want to give your whole life to it, you're not just making it up on your own, deciding on your own. You've been chosen. That's why, you know, the Lord's words, in many ways, the hinge of the whole gospel, it's not you who've chosen me. It's I who've chosen you. See, that's when you really begin to live. I think before I've spoken to you about John Henry Newman's distinction between a river with firm banks, and a river with firm banks has energy and verve and direction. It flows with a kind of purpose. If you were, Newman says, to knock down the banks in the name of freedom, why should I be limited by these, these arbitrary banks? What's going to happen is that purposeful and energetic river will open up into just a big, lazy lake. Everyone floating on his or her individual air mattress, but no one going particularly anywhere. Letting each other be, but together not really going anywhere. See, that, I think, is the limit case of the ego drama. If all you're playing is the ego drama, that's where you're going to end up, on that lazy lake, no direction, no energy. What the medievals called sloth will come to dominate you, a lack of spiritual purpose. So what's the contrast? Contrast is the theodrama. The theodrama is the great play, the great story that's written by God, directed by God, and in which God wants to involve you. He's got a role for you in the theodrama. He's got a purpose for you. What makes life thrilling, I would argue, is discovering your role in that drama. See, and this is precisely what has happened to Mary in this story. What Gabriel gives her is her role in the theodrama. Now, mind you, does she get it entirely? Well, no. Does she see every aspect of it? No. Is she in control of it? I mean, by definition, no. You're not in control of the theodrama. God is. But you surrender to it. You accept your role in it. And what that gives you is verve and energy and purpose. And that's why she goes in haste into the hill country. She's not just floating on the lazy lake of the ego drama. She's been gripped by the theodrama. You know, one last observation about the ego drama. Uh, notice with my lazy lake image in mind how the ego drama separates us out. I'm in my world. You're in your world. You don't interfere with me. I won't interfere with you. Look in our hyper-litigious and rights-oriented culture today. Rights, it's my right over and against you. You got rights over and against me. And we got a lot of lawyers and a lot of uh, um, litigious moves to protect us from each other as we ardently defend our rights. How often the political rhetoric is characterized by this sort of rights language. Again, not bad in itself, but when this comes to dominate, it means that the ego drama has come to dominate. 
Remember the great uh, ancient philosopher Aristotle spoke about the transcendent third. What he meant was two people fall truly in love with each other when together they fall in love with a transcendent third, with some great good that goes beyond them. It's a very important point, I think. So two people like each other, they're friends. Well, we, we love each other. Well, fine, says Aristotle, but you will truly find your commonality, your connection, when together you fall in love with some great good that goes beyond both of you. Can I suggest the ego drama is not enough to sustain real, strong relationships? What sustains a strong relationship is a common surrender to the demands and excitement of the theodrama. Does that make sense? Ego drama is going to drive us apart. We'll devolve into a bickering, litigious, rights-oriented society. When together we find our role in the theodrama, then we come more authentically together. I think, boy, that's really worth uh, uh, an extended meditation. Spend some time with that idea. Think of your own relationships and friendships in terms of that idea. And notice, please, this is precisely what draws Mary and Elizabeth together in this great story of the visitation. Are they connected? Yeah, they're cousins. They like each other, undoubtedly. But see, what is it that really draws them together in such a compelling way that 2,000 years later, every time we, we recite the rosary, we remember this encounter, this visitation? What is it? Well, together, they've fallen in love with God's purposes. Elizabeth's found her role in the theodrama. Mary's found her role in the theodrama. And that's what brings them together with such joy and with such a sense of spiritual purpose. Think of those two women now embracing as Mary visits her cousin. I think, what's the ground for that embrace? It's more than just their mutual affection. It's that together they're part of a great drama. Okay. So what is the theodrama that they're part of? Well, the readings, they give us wonderful clues, and they also clue us in to the fact that we're part of the same drama. So our first reading from the prophet Micah talks about a successor to David, someone who'll be born in the city of David and will come to rule the nations and who will be peace. He's talking about the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one, the successor of David. What did David do? Well, David united the tribes of Israel. Remember, first in Hebron in the south, then the tribes from the north come. He brings them together. He conquers this city, Jerusalem, makes it his capital. And around that capital, he unites the country. Into the capital, he brings the Ark of the Covenant so that this unified nation would worship God together. And then by the very clarity and beauty of its worship, it would draw all the tribes of the world. That's the great story of David. Notice, please, how it's happening in the visitation. David brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and with reckless abandon, he danced before the Ark. Look at the overtones here. Mary comes into the hill country of Judah, 
Well, that's exactly where David found the Ark of the Covenant. It says he went into the hills around uh, Jerusalem, and there he found the Ark. Having found it, he danced with abandon and brought it into Jerusalem. Who's Mary? Mary, if you want, is the true Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant contained remnants of the Ten Commandments. It contained the Word of God. Mary is the Ark of the Covenant par excellence because in her own womb, and her own body, she carries the Word of God. How wonderful as David dances before the Ark, so the infant John the Baptist, leaping in his mother's womb, does his own sort of Davidic dance before the true Ark of the Covenant. This is the great story. That Yahweh and his faithful people have met. That God has sent his own son into the world. And the human race dances for joy before it. Now, one last step. Where's the Ark of the Covenant today? It's in every Catholic church. Walk in any Catholic church, you're going to find the tabernacle, which contains the Eucharist, which is the real presence of Jesus. What do we continue to do now, up and down the ages, to the present day? What do we do? We dance with a kind of reckless abandon before the ark. It's called the Mass. And we thereby insert ourselves into this great theodrama that stretched all the way from David up through Mary and Jesus to our present time. See, friends, when you surrender to that drama, then you're really going to come to life. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.